Why choose a Sleep Number smart bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number smart bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 smart bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number special edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. On this week's episode, I interview Jillian McAllister, the New York Times bestselling author of Reese's book club pick, Wrong Place, Wrong Time, about motherhood, the importance of grit and persistence, and how she shifted careers to live her dream of being a full-time author. I think you have to have that grit to write a novel in the first place, really, because especially with your debut, you know, you write 100,000 words on spec for free. Um that's, you know, I think it takes probably 2000 hours to do that. That was like my target at work uh, as a lawyer for full time job. Um, so and I think, you know, I easily work a 40 hour, 40 hour week now on writing. So it's an awful lot of expenditure for very little, you know, promise. So I think you kind of have to do that to get to the finishing line. Hi, and welcome to The Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. Each episode focuses on a variety of relatable topics, including parenting, family, children, relationships, mental health, and pop culture. Hear from a variety of medical professionals, psychological experts, authors, celebrities, and other parents with inspiring stories. You'll feel like you're in the same room with your friends getting all of your questions answered. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll learn, and you'll have fun. Jillian, I am so excited for you to be on the podcast today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So as I was saying before we started recording that I fell in love with your writing over the summer. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit and about your books. Um, the one that was Reese's Book Club, Club Pick and also your new book that just came out a few weeks ago. Um, but I just want to get to know you a little bit more as, as a mom and as a writer. And so I was reading your bio and I learned that you used to work as a lawyer, that you, that you were a lawyer. So how did you start writing? How did you shift careers and start writing? Or have you always been writing and then finally decided to, you know, submit a proposal or how did that whole process work? Yeah, I think, I mean, I did an English degree. Um, so I definitely, I mean, if you'd have asked me what I wanted to do at any age, you know, 5, 10, 15, I would have said author. Um, and then I did an English degree and I, you know, like a lot of English graduates, I didn't really know what to do with it. Um, so over here, you can do like a conversion to law. And that's what I did because I thought, and, you know, I found law a very interesting career, actually. So it was certainly no bad thing. Um, and then during that conversion to law, I actually got sick with what um, what I think you would call mononucleosis. Yes. Um, so I was actually off for a whole year. Um, I was really quite unwell with it. Um, like totally bed bound, actually. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. And during that time, I wrote a full length novel because I really couldn't do anything physically at all. Um, so I had so much time like on a laptop, really. And I started a blog um, about the sort of day to day life of, you know, 
living with an illness. Um, and, it, you know, it got quite a lot of readers. Um, and then about, so I got better. And then about five years after that, you know, I, I was a qualified lawyer by this time. And I, I, I was, I had sort of dabbled still with writing, but wasn't really doing it in a very committed way. I actually got um, like some sort of flu. I actually think it was swine oh. flu, if, if you remember the swine flu outbreak. Yes. Um, yeah, and it really knocked me for six. And I had like five months off work. And during that time, I, I wrote a proposal and queried an agent because I had a lot of time on my hands again. I had this sort of finished book, but I also, I think, wanted a plan B in case, you know, law's pretty hard on the body because it's, there's a lot of presenteeism in law, like a lot of long hours. And I just right. thought like, uh, what, you know, what if I'm sort of not up to it and actually got a full manuscript request from that query. And that is how it sort of started for me. Um, because by then I was like, Oh my God, somebody's actually interested. Um, so it was quite easy for me to then pursue that. And it did take me several years to actually get a publishing deal, probably like two years. Um, but then my first book became a bestseller and um as soon as book three became a bestseller I left the law wow wow mm. I'm just I'm <laughs> in awe because that's just a dream right it's a dream it, come it really through. is yeah and it's quite a weird it's quite weird when you do live your dream life it's quite I sort of felt like the moment I got that book deal I sort of felt like the curtains would go down and I'd be like happy ever after like it is quite strange and then you're you live in it and you still have problems like I think that's like a, a big thing that people kind of don't realize about you know I am paid to do something that I would have done forever for free and that is astonishing and amazing but it is um you know there are still issues with that things that I find difficult within that and it's just you just get used to things as well like I don't go around every day like I can't believe my life you know it's sort of not sustainable to do that for years <laughs> Right. It, but it, it is different because you, instead of writing, you know, on your own, now you have a team and now you have other people giving their opinions or people, mm -hmm. you know, saying different things. And, and that's hard, too, you know. Um, but I, I just the, the thought of you having the stream since your youth and, you know, going through these different obstacles and even taking two years before, you know, it the first book was published, but then that that it hit and became an automatic New York, you know, New York Times bestseller. It's just, I mean, that's, that's, that really is a dream. I mean, and then to continue <laughs> yeah. going and then, you know, all the, all the hype you've gotten from Reese um, and her book club, you know, for Wrong Place, Wrong Time, um, which I know that was a pick from like a year ago, but then mm -hmm. I just saw her recently, like a few weeks ago, um, you're on one of her Instagram reels, your book is on her front cover of that reel and she you know she was talking about all the books she loved and she's mm. still talking about your book even a year later and that just must feel so surreal and so good to have so much positive feedback about your writing oh, I would God, assume yeah. I don't know does it <laughs> oh it? totally yeah and you know Wrong Place Wrong Time was my seventh book over here in the UK so it was quite a um quite an unusual career pattern I would say to have the seventh one be the sort of really big breakout and 
you know, behind the scenes, I was not successful in America. I moved publisher for Wrong Place, Wrong Time. I got an awful lot of rejections for Wrong Place, Wrong Time. I think I got 11 rejections in a row and I had decided to move publisher and then I got all those rejections and I was like, oh my God, what have I done? And then I I got the 12th, which was an offer and then it got Reese and it was quite a weird, it looks like an overnight success, but there's an awful lot of sort of years of toil behind that for sure. And yeah, one of those real kind of, there but for the moments where like just thank god that book got on Reese's desk um, because it did completely change my life yeah absolutely that's I mean the people don't know about the behind the scenes right people don't know Mm. that this book that as you said changed your life that you know became this huge outbreak after you know being your seventh one even even though you were already a a best-selling novelist right Mm, yeah and but that it got rejected 11 times. You know, people yeah. think that, at, you know, after having a best-selling novel that you would just basically have the platter handed to you, you know, here, any publisher would want to work with you and this and that, and that there's still, there's still obstacles to overcome. And I guess just your persistence, I think is such a lesson for all of us to learn to not give up the first time or even the 10th time, you know, if you really mm. are passionate about something and believe in something that to keep going is no matter what it is, you know, even if it's parenting, which we'll talk about next. But I mean, I just think your persistence and your passion for what you do and that you believed in what you what you wrote to keep going with it and not feeling so rejected that you just stopped and said, well, I guess this just I'm done with this, you know, because who knows if this didn't if this didn't get published, you know, you wouldn't yeah. be where you are. I mean, you, you would be maybe, you know, with a different book or at some point, but it's just the way the way it worked out. I'm just I'm in awe of that persistence and that passion. I mean, do you feel like that anything helped you get through that um, times of feeling, re- you know, rejected? Let's say over and over again, and thinking I really love this book, and I, you know, you believe in something so hard, but then other people aren't seeing it. How did you get through all of that? Yeah, I think I do. I think a lot of authors do have that. I think you have to have that grit to write a novel in the first place, really, because especially with your debut, you know, you write 100,000 words on spec for free. Um, That's, you know, I think it takes probably 2,000 hours to do that. That was like my target at work uh, as a lawyer for full-time job. Um, So, and I think, you know, I easily work a 40-hour week now on writing. So it's an awful lot of expenditure for very little, you know, promise. So I think you kind of have to do that to get to the finishing line. Um, But I do think, I mean, it took me me three books to get published here. Um, So I had two full books rejected before I actually got my debut deal here. So I'm kind of no stranger to that. Um, and I suppose as I think there is an element of risk taking when you are a writer, you know, I probably could have stayed with my publisher in the U S and, you know, had that book not perhaps do very well because I wasn't selling very well, but I chose to take it on submission and knowing that I might get rejections. And it was very difficult when I did get those rejections, but it was, ultimately my instincts were right and I think I think it is a lesson in kind of following them really yeah yeah um and like you said you're putting the work in before 
all the work's really been put in before you even present it to anybody mm. else. And so that that alone makes you feel like, no, this is this is done. This is this is work that I poured my heart into and all of my hard work and all those hours and you know, looking for that outcome at the end, you know, I can imagine helping you, you know, helping push that along. But we were talking about parenting and I do talk a lot about parenting, obviously, and, you know, being a mom myself, I know how hard it is to get things done. (laughs) And (laughs) no matter what age, you know, whether you're even, even when you're pregnant and your body's going through all the different changes, having a newborn, having a toddler, having school age kids like mine, and you're running off to swim lessons and dance lessons and different things after school every day, there's not a lot of time sometimes to do work um, to sit down and write. I know for me, mm-hmm. when I told you I, I'm kind of an inspiring, uh, aspiring um, writer myself, and it's it's hard for me to sit down and just take the quiet time to write. Like I need it to be like very quiet and my mind to be clear, and you know, to actually sit down, or I'm just my mind swirling, or I hear something in the mm-hmm. background. How do you write as a mom? You have a baby um, who's under a year old, but <clears throat> and you're still writing, obviously. So, where do you find time to write, or how do you balance mom life and work uh, and work life? Well, I think I think the first thing I would say is actually the scenes where I didn't want to be there and I didn't want to write, and it felt like pulling teeth. In the finished draft, you can't tell the difference between those ones and when you were really inspired. Like that is really true like sometimes it's just about getting the words down um as for how I do it I mean my husband took six months paternity leave so like full disclosure you know there were two of us so I did I did write throughout I I didn't have a maternity leave I just wrote like one or two hours a day um and now um so he's nine months now and I have a nanny three days a week who does nine to three and then my husband and I both have work part-time so we take a day each and then I will very often work like he's quite a good napper um that's good Um, yeah so even on my day with him and weekends I can still get a full kind of two hours work like he's quite a um he likes nothing more than to be in his cot for hours in the middle of the day like I have to wake him up from every nap so like he is yeah I do do a lot of nap time working as well but I think one of the key things for me is having in mind what I'm going to do in that nap time and do the thinking about it you know when you're feeding a baby you can think about your plot and then kind of be like right he's down I've got two hours and I'm doing this scene where this person tells them this or whatever um So kind of being slightly organized within the chaos has definitely helped me. But I mean, I would also say that I'm definitely less productive um, (laughs) and the the work is definitely needs more editing. Um, You know, full (laughs) disclosure, of course it does. Like I have a nine month old. Oh, that's funny. And and it's true. Mm -hmm. And like I said, sometimes I sit down to even just write an email and I think Mm -hmm. my mind just goes, you know, in so many different directions and it's hard for me just to focus because, you know, we have such a a big mental load of all the other things that we're thinking of and thinking of what to do next. And, you know, it's, um, it it can be hard or something throws off and they're sick for a couple of days or maybe you get sick for (sighs) a couple of days and then it takes me a while to get back in the routine of things. Right. I mean, there is some, like every single week, there is some disaster. It's like (laughs) the whole day goes, just doesn't work. Um, right. But yeah. And, you know, I was a full-time lawyer and a full-time novelist, and I still find being a parent harder than those things. Just in terms of like, like on my list today, I've got three things 
three phone calls to make and I haven't made any of them yet and one of them's like to move his like health visitor appointment and there is just stuff spiraling around your head I can't imagine with more than one child really because I find it overwhelming with one child so (laughs) (laughs) well then there's moms out there you know bless their hearts that have you know seven eight children and I'm just like how do you how do you I just can't I don't know I I hear that the older kids will help with the younger ones and so you maybe have more hands on deck but I don't know point of like saturation where you're just it is just chaos and you can't like you can't get more chaotic so it just kind of has to stay how it is I don't know maybe (laughs) (laughs) exactly um well it's a lot I mean it's it's a lot to to balance both um and I want to talk to you a little bit more about um some of the questions I had about um wrong place wrong time but before we get there um we're going to take a really quick break why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort, your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. Okay, so before we get to some nitty gritty about wrong place, wrong time, um, I we've talked a little bit about this um, at the beginning, but I would love to hear what inspires you to write. Um, do you have any rituals, or how do you avoid distractions? We just talked about how it's, you know being a mom sometimes can can be a distraction on its own because we have so much on our plate. But um, how do you how do you find the time to write? I know you said you work during nap time and things like that, but um, how do you avoid those distractions? Because I know I, I get distracted very easily when I try to sit down and have quiet time. <laughs> so give me all of your secrets to avoid <laughs> those distractions or rituals or anything like that. And what really inspires you to write? Um, I would say it's easier now that it is my job because there are quite hard deadlines and I don't ever miss a deadline really. So I know at the end of September, I have to hand in an edit and the less you know, messing around I do, the easier my life actually is. Um, So what I tend to do, so like, it's quite a heavy edit, actually. So I'm, I've divided the book into 55 scenes, that's how many there are, and I'm trying to do two a day. And I find it quite um, a bit draconian, actually, because some days, you need to rewrite both scenes. And that's actually quite a lot of words. And some days, both scenes are okay (laughs) and it's like you win some you lose some but I try and I try and just hit that and so if I mess around in that time I have to do it once he's in bed for example and I'm a big procrastinator so I do find that sort of hard you know you've got to do it so that's you know that's it Uh, I find that to, to be a more helpful mindset, to be honest, because I think if I just was like, I'm just going to try and do what I can when I can, I do just mess around. And, you know, my screen time will go through the roof and, uh, you know, I'll have caught up with all of my friends, but it's like really <laughs> when I get into bed at night, I really always will want to have done the words because it's moved yeah. the book along and it's my career. So I do try and be quite hard with myself about those sort of fixed, like what I'm achieving each day. Right. And, and is there anything that it, that inspires you, you know, besides it being your career and just having that, that, you know, motivation to get it done? Is there anything that, 
you know, um, at the end of the day, just that makes you want to sit down and write. I mean, I know you love what you do, so that makes it easy, Mm. but, um, it does. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think all writers get a feeling of like, I, I can't remember where I saw this. I think it was a passage in a book I was reading and it was somebody walking across the grass and it was about a writer. And she said, I just get the feeling that I want to write about walking across the grass. Hmm. And I really relate to that. Like, you know, I, I have this idea of a kidnap and ransom for my newest book that I'm starting probably in October. And I just really want to write the first scene. And I think if you can get every scene one you want to write, that's you want a winner there. And that, that isn't always possible. Some of them are just mechanical, I think, but, um, that feeling of like, I really want to write somebody receiving a ransom note, that sort of carries me through really. Right, right. And so what advice do you have for any aspiring authors that, you know, is it just putting something down on paper if they have a thought, like just to start writing? Or what else would you um, suggest to others out there that want to write as a career themselves, whether it's novels or nonfiction books, or even for a publishing in a newspaper or something? But what would you suggest to those writers? Um, I would say that where I kind of became inactive was sort of 10 to 20,000 words into a draft and I often didn't have a plot plan which is fine you know some people just don't work that way but I think I would tinker and tinker and tinker with the opening and those early words and actually I find it better now to accept it's not going to be the best draft in the world but for me I have to get something down to edit and kind of just go forth and go to the end and accept it's not going to be perfect Um, because I think where a lot of people get caught up in the weeds really is that like opening and they just kind of go over and over and they don't make progress throughout the book I think yeah yeah I can see that and I can see that myself too (laughs) someone who's been literally sitting on a non-fiction book proposal for probably four years now, who's been, you know, little by little, like trying to get it done. And then mm-hmm. I did my cur- query and then I, you know, was seeking out a lit agent. And now I'm in that weird process of trying to get it done and moving forward. And it's just, it's, it's hard because I think because I'm such a perfectionist, I'm mm-hmm. so worried about every word and where it just stops me from even writing at all. Like it stops me from putting something on paper because my, it, I get into my thoughts too much. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, oh, totally. It's like perfectionism yeah. is the enemy of, of, of done or something. There's a sort of maxim about that. Don't let perfectionism be the enemy of um, good or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I find that even on a, a macro level, like sometimes I just have to write a really bad few sentences. Yeah. You know, I'll write... I don't know, the clouds look like whatever, Mr. Whippy ice cream. And that isn't what I mean. But once the sentence and the sentiment is down, I can then change the metaphor or whatever. And I think sometimes I have to just be like, just put it down. Nobody's going to look at it. And then once you've got those three sentences, you can turn them all into something much more coherent. And I think it's getting rid of that embarrassment factor and just knowing you're just alone with it and you don't have to show anyone yet. Yes. Yes. And that's true. And sometimes I will just kind of start writing and then all of a sudden, then the, the, the inspiration starts coming and I'm like, Oh, then I got to mm. write about this. And then, you know, so it's yeah. just the doing it 
in, in, in just getting something down, I think is, is I learned that in my creative writing class in, in my freshman year in college. I remember my mm-hmm. professor just saying, just start writing. It was like a free write. And I thought, well, what's the topic? I need, I need more information. I'm a plan yeah. A person, you know, and she's like, no, see where the writing takes you. <laughs> and I'm like, what? But then yeah. I started writing and then a story came out of it. Right. I mean, it's That's just so interesting. Yeah, it happens. So Anyway, but I, I wanted to talk to you about Wrong Place, Wrong Time, um, and then I want to talk about your new book. Um, so I don't want to give it too much away, um, but the book is written in real time, but going backwards. <laughs> if you read it, you'll know yeah. what I'm talking about. And if you haven't read it, you need to read it. Um, how did you come up with such a unique spin? I've never re- re- read anything like it. Was that harder to write because you were kind of writing backwards. I guess you probably, you already had the end in sight. So I don't know, but what was that like writing in that style? Yeah, it was, um, I actually found it, I, I think wrong place, wrong time is quite a linear mystery. So although, you know, it's told on the 25th of October and then the 24th and then the 23rd, etc., the protagonist is waking up the day before murder and then the day before that. and But she is finding clues on those days. So really, she finds out A and then she finds out B and then she finds out C. So I think once you kind of have it straight in your head, it actually made quite a lot of logical sense to me. And it was actually quite, like, it was by far the easiest book I'd written, which is mad, but true. It just sort of flowed out of me. Um I, I was in lockdown, which I do wonder, I had sort of a lot of time and space, like I had a quite a privileged, you know, version of the pandemic, like it was just me and my husband, we just walked the dog, like we didn't have a child yet. So it was quite, um, you know, I had an awful lot of time. Um, and I think the time and space to allow that story to kind of marinate meant that I'd done a lot of the thinking before I really had to put the words on the page. Right. And I remember <clears throat> reading the book in real time and then I'd be coming up to a big plot twist where I was just like, wow, you know, and I would DM you on Instagram. <laughs> be like, I just got to this part. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And then you kept saying, just wait, just wait. Yeah. And I finally get to the end and it was like mind blown, you know, it, it just, there was just one twist, especially at the end. I, I could not put it down. Like I remember sitting on my mm. couch, I think it was like a rainy day. And I remember just sitting on my couch, the kids were playing, doing their thing. And I just, I literally just kept, and my kids kept coming. Are you at the end yet? Are you at the end yet? And I'm like, no, I'm almost there. And I just kept turning the pages and I couldn't stop. And I like, oh, that's what happened. And that's this. And it felt like such a reward to get to the end Mm. and figure it all out. And anyway, do you get that reaction a lot? Or what does it feel like to get that feedback from readers? It's so nice because that is that is one of my most favorite experiences is just being so gripped by a book and just like, I only really read in bed, but when I bring it down and read it in the evening or read it in the bath, that's when I'm really gripped. And it actually happens to me, you know, quite seldom um, because I'm quite a fussy reader. I think like I like the sort of really good prose, but I like the sort of fast pace really. Um, So yeah, it's just, it's so nice to know that my sort of lockdown pondering of like oh maybe you know maybe they're brothers etc right has had such a profound impact on people like it is it's such an honor yeah 
Yeah, it must feel great. But I'd love to hear about your new book. So you have a new book that just came out August 1st. It's called Just Another Missing Person. And this is what gets me. And I can't wait to read it because this part is what's gripping me. His weapon isn't a gun or a knife. It's a secret, her worst one. So tell us what it's about. Um, I, I I can't wait to start reading it, but um, tell everybody what what it's about, and um, so we can so we can all get excited about getting this <laughs> one too. <laughs> yeah, of course. So it tells the story of Julia, who is a mother and a police officer, and she is tasked with a missing person case to find Olivia, who has been missing for twenty four hours. And on the first day of the investigation, she walks to her car, which is parked some way from the police station. And she gets in and she realises that she's not alone. Um, And there's a man she sees in the rearview mirror in the back of her car. He's wearing a balaclava and he says, drive. Um, So she drives and he takes her to the scene where Olivia was last spotted And he tells her that he knows what she did to cover up a crime her daughter committed. And she's got to do everything he tells her on this case. So essentially becoming corrupt. Um, And she has to decide whether or not to do that or whether to sort of jeopardize her daughter's future. Wow. Uh, I'm already like, keep going, keep going. <laughs> and then, yeah, and there is a really big, there's a really big twist in it. Um, oh, I can't wait. The biggest twist wait. I've ever written. So, just yeah, based on I hope you'll reading enjoy it. Your, you know, wrong place, wrong time. When you have a twist, you have a twist. And yeah, like I like good. a really big twist, not just like a kind of, it was this person. I like right. a twist that's like everything you've read so far has been like upended. Right. See, that's, that's, I love that. I love that about wrong place, wrong time. I can't wait to read just another missing person. Jillian, thank you so much for your time today. I am just completely inspired by your writing. I love reading your books. Um, I, I love that you're a mom and now you're, you know, balancing work life and mom life. And, you know, I think so many, so many of us can relate to that and being persistent, having that grit, living your dream. Um, I think it's just very inspiring for others out there. So thank you for sharing thank your you. story with us. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I cannot wait for you to listen to more episodes. If you are a new listener, I recommend starting at my best of year one episode first. Then make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And when you love an episode, please leave a review. And if you want to stay connected between episodes, please visit me on social media at The Parentologist and on my blog at theparentologist.com. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911. Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com.